Let's do it. Yeah. Squirrel. I put all of my notes. I can chase him. Fuck that squirrel. Wants me in the tree with his bushy tail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, we have a whole. There's a whole fuck that squirrel opera that's (laughs) yeah. Amy Rivers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend Sasha Chambers reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up fed us, nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Sasha and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love for movies, as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 26 years and counting. But who's counting? (laughs) (laughs) We just get older and older. That's all. That's all. But feel the same. I don't even know if it's like 26 years. I just did that because it was the year change, but the actual years is is actually... It's, it's roughly 26 years. I have, I have no sense of time anymore. If someone asks me how old I am, I have to like do the math. I'm just like, I don't know. Old enough, friend. Old enough. The only time I have a sense of time is when a movie feels far too long or the opening credits of something feels far too long. Oh, girl. Oh, coming in girl. hot. Coming, coming in hot. hot. Shots fired. Shots fired. Today, we are kicking off our Madonna theme with... Who's that girl? Or fuck that squirrel, as my dog likes to sing it. (laughs) Who's that girl uh, came out in 1987. It was directed by James Foley, and it stars Madonna, Griffith Dunn. Griffin Dunn. What did I call him? Griffith. You've been calling him Griffith for like the last three days. I don't know why I'm doing that. It's a thing you do. It's okay. You, oh. you, 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 you switch people's like final consonants on their names quite often. It's adorable. It's a thing you do. It's okay. But it's, so it's Griffin. Once by his real name. He can Griffin, Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn. Oh, shit. We're editing that. <laughs> Let's just edit that whole thing. No, just kidding. All right. Havilyn Morris, a.k.a. Jake's Ryan's girlfriend from 16 Candles. And John McMartin, who, who is, is passed away. R.I.P. He's the one who plays Simon Worthington. Yeah. Crazy old dude with a sword. Yeah. Yes. James Foley, who is previously known for films like Glen Gary, Glen Ross, Reckless, At Close Range. Um, And so this was his first and only attempt at comedy. Thank God for small favors. We can see why no one ever asked him to do a comedy again. Yeah. So this film, I wanted to go in liking it because I remember watching it a lot as a kid. I remember it being on HBO all the fucking time. I remember enjoying that cartoon opener 
quite a bit because I was a kid and it was a cartoon. But this time watching it, something about commotion just didn't get me in the motion of wanting to watch this movie. And it just felt like it went on for too long. And I didn't enjoy it until it got to the moment where Madonna was clearly ripping off Tina Turner, who then later was ripped off by Beyonce when they did that, like, put a ring on it move. They do the little shoulder shimmy. Yes, yes. Yes. And I was like, oh, cool. There was a put a ring on it move. So like, you know. I appreciated that, but otherwise it just felt really, really, really long. Oh, you're just talking about the animation in the beginning. Yeah, I'm just right? talking about the animation. <laughs> and like, I get, like you were saying, you're like, well, they did that in the eighties. Like ruthless people did that. And I just rewatched do the right thing. And there, that was a very extended opening sequence with just Rosie Perez, you know, dancing her dancing, ass off yeah, for yeah, the yeah. camera, but it's so intense. It's very engaging. And you know that like, you feel like you're being brought into a really intense Broadway production. Yeah, Sasha, was, I don't think like, you can put those on the same No, you certainly, <laughs> no, we're certainly not gonna try to compare or do the right thing and who's, the, who's that girl. I didn't know why, it, well, I do know why, because this was a vehicle for Madonna and nothing more. And with that, you can you can see that I've really thought like a lot about this. Like I have a lot to say. I'm getting real hot, real hot. Okay, well, um, the IMDb description is the life of an uptight tax lawyer turns chaotic mm-hmm. when he is asked to escort a young woman newly released from prison who persuades him to help prove her innocence. Yes, and hijinks and hijinks ensue. So this this is where this film basically. It's so, it's so many things at once. The crotch of 80s films and what they are, which is just everything at once. Everything at once. It's a goulash, a mishmash, a salad bar of all the things that we can pack into 80 to 90 minutes as like as much as possible. So remember when I was like, this is like this weird, it's got this like 1940s vibe plus all of the 80s shit. So that's exactly what it is. I remembered there was a film called Bringing Up Baby, which has the exact same, exact same plot line where it's like Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, and he is a straight-laced paleontologist. And the day before his wedding gets introduced to Catherine Hepburn who falls for him and she's got a pet cheetah or a fucking leopard or some shit and hijinks ensue. So it's got that like- Yeah, so it's 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 a screwball comedy. But then it's also this 80s format of, long day into up all night because Griffin Dunn had just two years prior done after hours with Scorsese where it was the exact same thing straight laced yuppie dude meets fucking you know wacky chick and hijinks ensues through New York up all day up all night so it was like two formulaic weird things mashed together and then of course the secret sauce of most 80s movies fucking cocaine man I'm telling you (laughs) You know what we need? Motherfucking Pumas. Yeah. Now we got a fucking movie. <sighs> okay, so as I told you, Sasha, you have just described to me something that I just want, that's all that I want to watch in my life is screwball comedies mixed with 1980s cocaine-fueled films. Like that's all I want to watch. Like you know, I'm I'm on board with that as a genre. I really am. I just wish that this one had been less of an insult to the art of storytelling. (sighs) I was talking to someone who's in a screenwriting class and she was saying that like at every moment the professor is there to be like, but why? But why did the character do that? 
but why do they drink that particular soda? But why did they go to the store at that time? And we really needed that professor on the set of Who's That Girl? Because there are so many whys and unanswered questions and New York-sized potholes of why to fall into. I just, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it, honestly. I, I wanted to like it. I really did. So I am going to have the exact opposite opinion. I absolutely I loved I'm it. Yeah, astonished. I loved it when I was growing up and I loved it rewatching it. I enjoyed it. And the difference being the second the cartoon happened, I was like, oh yeah, it starts with the cartoon. And the second, the, the song, what is it? Commotion. Commotion. What is it called? Is it actually called Commotion? I think it's called Commotion. Causing a commotion. The second that came yeah. on, I was like grooving when she does the Tina Turner move and brilliant. And I was bought in the second with like everything. However, mm-hmm. this time around, of course, what I recognized more than anything is just Madonna's terrible in it. She is. Her characterization of Nikki Finn, like what she's doing is horrific. Her voice is is terrible. Her, the way her body, her body is terrible. Everything, everything. It's sad because Madonna knows how to move her body. It's the worst. So what happened, what I think happened for Madonna here, because yeah, that was like my first note was like, am I seriously meant to tolerate an hour and 40 minutes of this sexy baby talk? I'm going to pull my ears off my head. So- What I think happened is, so Madonna was badass in Desperately Seeking Susan, as you pointed out, because she was just Madonna. Madonna doesn't need to do really anything other than be Madonna. And then she did Shanghai Surprise. And that shit got panned so fucking hard that she felt like she needed to come back hard with a like, I'm just a screwball girl in New York movie because that's what people liked. But at this point, Madonna was so big that she had become even bigger you know, on herself than she realized. And she kind of had a moment, I think, of like CC and Beaches, because I found this quote of hers that I could only hear in CC and Beaches' voice. And it goes like this. Well, that's why I called my tour, Who's That Girl? Because I play a lot of characters. And every time I do a video or a song, people go, oh, that's what she's like. And I'm not. I'm not like any of them. I'm all of them. I'm none of them. End quote, Madonna. So now we see where Madonna got the idea that she could actually act and did that shit. Okay, okay. We're going to hold back for a second because here's the thing. I still enjoyed it in spite of that. I still enjoyed the movie. I found value in a lot of other things. And I wish, I wish that Madonna would have just been Madonna because I think if that had happened, it would have been really fantastic. It would have been way have been so good, way better because this caricature okay. of an infantilized Absolutely. sexy baby thief was really, really distasteful yeah. for me. In fact, all of the female characters are not much to write home about. We've got this bullshit with Madonna. Then we've got like the spoiled brat, vapid fiance. And then this, 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 fucking coven of if of stupid girls in matching pastel dresses they look like a bunch of sister wives what the fuck was the costume choices there like they look like they yeah like they had just pulled out of been pulled out like that that show 
about that girl, Kimmy Schmidt. They look like they all had just been pulled out of that underground <laughs> fucking bunker. Super weird. And they, they have nothing to say at that point where they get like, they're all tied up and they're upside down in the limo. And that fake reporter is like, do you feel like you have fallen in love with your captors? And like, I don't understand the question. Like, I just, it's so fucking stupid. It's so pathetic. I can't. Oh, 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 or the other female character. Wait, the other female character is a scantily clad jungle woman being kept as a pet on a rooftop zoo. What? <laughs> only cool the only cool female characters are the ones that are in prison ultimately like for the character that wendy worthington's supposed to be she played it perfectly and she was hilarious like she was hilarious in doing it i'm sorry i really enjoyed it it's not the greatest character in the world and she doesn't have depth but she's playing a caricature and it worked madonna was playing a caricature as well it did not work and this is where we can agree completely on but we discussed this you think this is garbage bad garbage i think it's garbage good garbage like good garbage that i would watch mm -hmm. again and again and again mm -hmm. and i think that that's the thing like i i recognize the issues with her performance and with the character in general um but you know it's I just it's the, absolutely it's the... loved it and i think that there were really good jokes and oh see that's where Griffin, we differ. i feel like the comedy is absolute fucking garbage right, trash like, like it's just here. a bunch just of kidding. we're we're way into the soup we're scraping the bottom of the bowl practically already <laughs> i'm licking the fucking spoon so like th like it feels like the baseline for comedy here are dad jokes like oh well yeah i mean of course why would anyone want to have anything to do with a fence when he's talking about fencing that's not one of the good no. jokes. That, uh, but, that's, but like that's but that's what I mean. Like that for me is like the baseline of the comedy. The minute she throws that coquettish gaze at the camera in the very first scene when she's in the parole meeting and she's like, "You got any mascara?" and just starts batting her eyes at the camera. Seriously, my first note here is, "Oh shit!" Like it just it's just trash joke after trash joke. The whole thing with the fucking cat for oh. That's a whole other thing that we can get into. I'm gonna put this coffee down because I'm clearly caffeinated and hot on this. Um, so when he's talking to him on the phone and he's like, yeah, there's a cat here. You gotta come get the cat. Couldn't he have just put the cat in his little messenger bag? Why the fuck can you not just say Puma? Just fucking say it. It's so obnoxious. Like the, I, it's just not, oh God. I do not get why they like in the very beginning with the cat joke, that they just didn't say that it was a big cat like for until the, he gets there i don't know why they just they just kept on putting that off because it's terrible comedy because it's terrible I know, but i think there's other jokes that are very funny and even if that's like i get where you're at with that but i think there are other points that are funny i'm trying to think of any of them but i'm feeling exactly. a little crazy by your energy like 10 times i'm trying really, to really really caffeinated i put it down i put it down you need to calm your role you know it is noon in your world but it's 9 30 in my world sorry i've got essence candles burning i'm chilling you know yeah. i'm here to have a nice conversation with you all right all right i'm, I'm, I'm peeling it back i'm peeling it back i know i love it um i love I mean, everything for, about you sasha i know i love everything about i love you, you. um love i power. think 
the best see maybe that's what it is maybe it's this this contrast and this battle between caricatures and characters because griffin dunn i'm on board with like i told you i'm on board with him until i'm not until we get basically until the wedding and that's when i'm like this is some bullshit they they got him they got griffin dunn um he's got one of the funniest lines for me um that like establishes him as the consummate yuppie when they're getting in the roles and he's like yeah I, i'm more of a volvo man myself like it's fucking great He's got good lines. And then so does her dad. Like you pointed out when they're going through the prenup and he's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just things that guarantee that all of these things that I have will never be yours. Like that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, these are the things that I'm talking yeah. about. Like, I think that, that it, and I'll give you this. I will give you that it is very much two sides of the coin. It's either very smart comedy done by very um, skilled actors or on the flip side, shitty jokes delivered shittily by Madonna who I am gonna say it now I do not think Madonna is a bad actress at all I think she is a fantastic performer I think here in this moment in this film she was just trying too hard and and that's the thing I didn't do a lot of research about it but the little research that I did do it's just really sad because it seems like she was trying really really hard but it's like was everyone just too scared to be like, hey, I know you're trying to do something with her skipping, but stop skipping. Like, stop skipping. Skip. Please, God, like, stop skipping. Stop skipping. <laughs> like, don't do that anymore. You're so, not a baby. Stop skipping. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. And like, and I told you that too, like when she goes, when she tries to crash the wedding and she hops over the fence and she's doing this weird toddler lurching walk thing, it's so awkward and uncomfortable. Like you're a grown woman. Stop trying to move like you're a toddler. It's very off-putting. Well, and when she's walking around with the cake and like, hurry up, I'm bored. Like, I just want oh. to scream. It's so bad. It's so, so bad, bad. So bad. No, so, so, I mean, this film is absolutely 100% trying to be screwball comedy. That's what it is. That 19... 30s, 1940s screwball comedy. And she's clearly trying to do something in between Betty Boop and Marilyn Monroe. She's trying to do something like that. And, and it's terrible. She's failed miserably, miserably, right? No, I think that's exactly. fine. I think, I think miserably doesn't suffice. Miserably should be the definition of this performance so, um, and I know so, I know there's like tons of Madonna fans listening to this and now I'm a villain but like don't get me wrong I I love Madge just not in this and I don't think she's a bad actress however at this point in time I don't think she had honed her acting chops because I'm not going to say she's a bad actress I watched A League of Their Own several times she was quite good Avita, yeah she, she did her thing you know, uh, you know put it this way I don't think Natalie Portman was a good actress for like 12 years. I think it took her about 12 years when she started, you know, she was great in the professional. And then she had like 12 years of really hit or miss performances. Mm -hmm. And then now she's, you know, yeah. award-winning yeah. actress. And, and I you love know her. what? It's fine because she's Madonna. She doesn't have to be Catherine Hepburn. Right. But like I said, I think she was really in her CC and beaches. My head is too big phase. Well, yeah. you know, that like, yeah, like you said, kind of like Michael Jackson, like no one's going to say no to her and since the movie really was supposed to be a vehicle for her why would they um but like you know it's it's you know it is what it is this was also like her first stop on her cultural appropriation tour because this is when she started getting into latin culture like 
yeah, who's that girl? And actually it's mistranslated in the first one. Means like, who's, who's this girl? And like later versions, it says, like she just, you know what I mean? She's just grabbing from cultures. Next we moved on to like her Asian phase. And then she moved on to like yogic culture. Like she's just, you know, she's a dabbler and an appropriator. And this is kind of where it started. So, you know, it's, it's, well, it's a you mess. Know, I'll, I'll, a mess I'll for me. throw this out in this film. One of the things I did like about this film was that now none of the main actors, but they did have ethnic people in it. Brown and black people were in this film all over the place. Actually. I mean, you it's, know, it's a shame that the brown and black people that were in the movie, though, were, were pretty much associated with crime, whether they were on the parole board or committing crime. Well, no, because there was. Well, I guess that I, the, <laughs> I'm going. Well, there's no, but I mean, there was the the bus, the people on the bus, and there was the yeah. messenger. Yeah, not riding in the back. I mean, I guess that's an up that's an upgrade. No, but I'm just saying. For most yeah. of the films that we have watched, it's literally been all white people. Not, I mean, like like Fright Night only had like three black people and there was a club scene and there was like three, oh, yeah. you know, there was like, that was And it. they dressed up one like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is that like, like when there was a different character who was in the film, it was an ethnic character. Like it was mixed up quite a bit. Just was nice to see something that- No, I mean, that was also one of my first notes was as soon as we get into the parole situation, I was like, oh, black people. Look, like right off the bat, we got some black folks. Okay. Yeah, but and and not all the prisoners were of color. There was like a white That's girl true. in jail too, and then and, and then one of the parole, guard. one of the prison guards was was a black lady as well. That's true. Yeah. That's I'm true. Just, I'm just saying that it it did it did seem to be a little more broken open. You know, mind you, still the main characters are all you know white people, but like the yeah, and and world they inhabit kind of reflected the world <laughs> yes and and one of them is especially white this is a thing that always blows my mind i know that there were test shoots i know that there were dailies did they never recognize that madonna's foundation was literally 17 shades too pale for her face what the fuck it looked like she was wearing a kabuki mask i don't hard well, white line well, along her thing. jaw the whole so, film so i think you'll agree you know going back to what our podcast is about madonna was such a influence for me as a child absolutely from you know very early on loved madonna and her fashion and the way she did her makeup everything about her i was super into loved her um whole thing but god in this movie there is no outfit i like i hate the way she's styled like i hate like the we, we talked about this right I hate the tutu thing she puts on at the end when she crashes the wedding. I the hate the vinyl parts. leotard. All I can think is sweaty, stinky. Gross. Yeah, I hate the 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 like I hate the leather jacket. Like I mm -hmm. there's nothing except for that mm -hmm. sweater that, that she sweater. wears. Um, that has this really great cut. We, we were debating over what color it was, right? Is it khaki or is it it's, olive green or is it it's like a khaki green? olive? back to the suit okay, well let's let's so the story here the the plot or something like that right is nicole finn nikki right she has gone to jail for killing her boyfriend 
Now, Aunt, she only went to jail for seven years, but she gets four out. Four years. She was so, supposed to be in there for seven and she got out in four. Exactly. But like for killing her boyfriend. <laughs> right? Like, for, for good behavior. Like, that's cool. And for keeping that hair peroxide blonde yellow the whole time she's in prison. <laughs> and her so, eyebrows are on point. Like, she, I just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for people who haven't seen this in a long time, that's how it starts. And then what happens is Loudon Trout, an uptight, overscheduled tax attorney who has a very busy day because he's getting married in the morning. He's uh, put in charge of making yeah. sure that Nikki Finn makes it from the prison to the bus depot, gets on the bus and makes her happy ass back, makes her happy ass way back to Philadelphia, I believe, for some undisclosed reason from her future father-in-law. Simultaneously, he has a client whom, for whom his entire career hinges, who has decided to import a motherfucking, what the hell is it fucking called? A Philinus, what the hell is, where is it? Where are you put it in the show notes. What is this? A Patagonian Phyllis Concolor that there's only four of which are left in the world and they only mate once every 26 months. And tonight's the night, tonight, meow, meow. So he's got to get this fucking cat from the shipping yard to his rich client's house that night and now how we have all this complication because he's <laughs> got to like deal with fucking Nikki Finn and the cat, right? It's the two two cats, two wild cats that Griffin Dunn has to manage. And I'm sorry, but this cat in the cage, in the backseat of his, of the fucking rolls in the hot ass New York sun really pisses me off the entire time when she feeds that cat McNuggets. I'm so absurd. And also, what kind of monster eats McNuggets with a fork? <laughs> oh, girl. Who does that? Who oh, does that? Girl. And also, too, this whole movie couldn't happen without those cats, because I'll refer to those cats from now on as gatos ex machina. There is never a scene that isn't resolved by the fucking cats. It's like an episode of CSI. It always comes back to the cell phone records. Oh, my take. That's another t-shirt, girl. Oh, God, you know, I mean, you know, it's the hard part, Sasha, is we're in such a mess. I don't even know where to start. What what do you mean, where to start? Where to start? We're tipping the bowl back already. It's down (laughs) the throat. We've, like, consumed the soup. We're deep in it. We're deep in it. Look. We... We're only describing it in the only way that you can. Like the the <laughs> it's a hot mess. mess. I mean, it's a it's hot, a hot mess. ass mess. But, okay, so so I will say that Griffin Dune. Did I just say his name correctly? Done. Fuck, Griffin Dunn. Like the the hardest part is that you kind of can see certain moments where he's just cringing for us oh yeah like and he's having a real difficult time oh yeah his legitimate actor Mm -hmm. i'm sure classically trained soul was just so so that's what i mean it's like he his his whole being was carrying the weight of this film his and then his classically trained soul just kind of like collapsed under the weight of the absurdity (laughs) and he and his character gave in by the time the wedding came up and he was like yeah I'm going with it. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. So I think he's fucking hilarious through the whole thing. Like I loved how he would sometimes just keep on talking about something. Like he did it, of course, when he's around the Rolls Royce, right? And it's he's talking about how he prefers a Volvo, but he also does it when they go into like the Brazilian rainforest that's in the penthouse apartment. And he just 
keeps on talking about his apartment yes. and he's, like, comparing it. And, and he's like, he's like, Oh, I've got a window in my kitchen and I've got some plants there. Not as many plants as you've got here. I mean, I think he's, he's hilarious and he's got some great timing. There's little things he does throughout the whole thing that are fantastic. And I don't know if I felt this way when I was growing up, but definitely felt that this time he's cute. He does oh, yeah. a lot of cute. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a cutie pie. Like he's really cute. I thought he was really cute until it occurred to me that he must be a tiny man because he's not much taller than Madonna and she's a very small person. I know, but they do that in films, don't they? I know. They I know. Try to yeah, level people out. Michael J. Fox it. Yeah, I know. Michael J. Yeah, Fox yeah. it on a box it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe they didn't want, you know, someone to be towering over her, but I mean, you could be, that could be true that he could be short. We could look it up. I think he's a teeny tiny dude. We're going to, we're going to look it up. What I'm looking, what I'm looking up right now while I'm like giving you an ample opportunity to speak because my caffeinated ass has just been fucking crazy on this episode. Um, Can we talk about the pimp and the fat man? Can we talk about those two characters? Yeah, we can talk about the pimp and the fat man. I mean, that again is funny jokes by Loudon. I loved when he was like, talking about killing the pimp and the fat man and he was that like, was, was like i thought i killed them <laughs> and, was, and like yeah, really was kind of proud of himself yeah um yeah they're just they're like a little bit they're a little bit absurd but i mean they're they're meant to be i just felt spent most of the time trying to figure out who and i don't want to like butcher his name kawadi mundi um i think that's how you say his first name like he was so familiar to me and i couldn't remember from where and then i realized like oh right he's a musician and then he was also in Girl 6 and Mobetta Blues and Bamboozled, Sid and Nancy. He was in tons and tons of stuff into the 90s, actually. And he was actually in Truth or Dare um, with Madonna as well. Um, but they're just so, like, it doesn't, I just can't really, like, buy it. That there's, like, this massive coordinated effort between these two buffoonish, um, you know, the pimp and the fat man. And then these buffoonish cops that we haven't even touched <laughs> oh, we haven't even touched that yet. I, I am fuck. telling you, I loved the cops. There's I just this plot. It's so busy. There's so much shit going on. That's what I'm saying. It's but a that goulash, was a comedies. That's what they were. They, I mean, see, the thing is, it's, it's hard to go scene by scene because the whole thing is just this, you know, happenstance, hot mess of stuff that's happening. But that's that that's the genre. You know what I mean? And I don't think they were wrong with the genre. The only thing that's wrong with it is that we know that it's the father in the very beginning. You know what I mean? Like there is no aha moment. Like when she finally gets the, you know, key and everything and she, she, no, she doesn't, she always has the key, right? Yes, in fact, she is playing with that key around her neck. And I'm like, no one lets someone keep a sharp object in prison and their fucking tips that frosted white. It's just like none of it. None of it makes sense. Yeah, and, and it's so, just like so. So basically, he's embezzling money. Uh, he being um, Simon Worthington, right? Simon Worthington has embezzled money. Um, her ex-boyfriend Johnny uh, found out about it, got all the goods on him, put it in a safety deposit box. Raul and Benny killed him, and then she stuffed him in the trunk of her car. She gets framed and goes to jail. So then, of course, Simon Worthington, um, with all the power in the world, can't keep her in jail. She gets let out in four years, right? And then is just, you know, take her to Philadelphia. Um, and she can do no damage there. Because right. she can do no damage, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right? And, and 
like at the end, you know, all I could think of at the end when she comes out and she's like, um, I've got two reasons to stop this wedding. First, the bride's father is an embezzler. And second, the groom's in love with me, right? All I could think of is that the 1% doesn't care that he's an embezzler. Like they don't care. They just yeah. keep him going. Like, like, like that's not a bomb dropping. Yeah. So like, and yeah. of course, what, you know? like nobody at, at the wedding really cares. Like, you know, he starts sword fighting, but no one's really leaving. Everyone's just kind of still hanging out and being like, oh, he's an embezzler. So am I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not. Why are the cats at the wedding? Why are the cats? This is what I'm saying. Why, why, why? So much fucking why. I love so it. much fucking why. See the things you for some reason they just like. I'm just like this is so fucking cheesy. When Be- Raul and Benny show up to the bride and kitchen shower, the bed and kitchen shower. What the fuck is a bed and kitchen shower? First of all, no. So they show up to the Does bed she get and kitchen numerous shower. showers. Is that what yes, it is? You get I numerous showers and that like bed and kitchen, and then they've got another one that is like like dining room and patio and right. Oh, I want to be a rich person. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So the bed and kitchen shower gets crashed by Raul and Benny and they open the door and they open and he opens his mouth and fish pop out. I'm like, yes, well, I'm not five years old. It's so fucking stupid. It's just such low comedy. The fact that it was like nonsensical does not bother me at all because it doesn't need to be. That being said, I do think the plot was a little bit weak just in regards to you think you know, the guy, well, not what you're like, not um the the continuity doesn't bother me or the fact that like he would have kept a fish in his mouth for literally well not only that he would have kept a fish in his mouth but the car was dangling over the edge of a fucking like how many stories up went into water and somehow not only did they manage to extract the fucking limo out to drive it across town he did that with the fish in his mouth the whole time, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't bother me. It's, it literally doesn't bother me. I get that it's ridiculous, but it's- like a fucking it's, Scooby-Doo yeah. cartoon. It's a fucking so ridiculous. I can't. Yeah, but that's kind of, to be fair, that's kind of the genre. That's kind of what you're buying into in this kind of film, in my opinion. Like the fact that, that the, what did you call it? Gato di Gato Sex Machina. I like absolutely and I think that that's fabulous like it is ridiculous it is all those things my the biggest problem is her characterization because Mm. I like a lot of things like I think Wendy Worthington's hilarious I do like the consistent jokes that everyone had her in the cab I think that's funny that made me laugh numerous times and she except for except for the fact that there was this running joke about I had her in the cab kind of makes it permissible because well if wendy's a hoe bag then it's fine that you went ahead and slept with madonna no that 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 makes it okay for you to be a cheater thank you i actually did not think that with this time i watched it because i didn't remember what they did you know what i mean like but this time when i watched it i was like and then they bone he cheated on his fiance yeah and then he's gonna go marry his fiance yeah like like Loudon, who we've kind of liked throughout this whole thing because he's kind of a good guy, like cheats. And yeah, I then becomes cool. really unsympathetic by becoming and, a cheater. And the thing and, is, and, and she, I'll tell you, I don't think that that was right to do to Wendy. I agree. No, 
I think that was fucked up. I don't, I don't care. Like you keep your own side of the street clean. And, yeah. and, yeah. and like, while we're talking about that, where Loudon went from a sympathetic character to somewhat unsympathetic because he's now a cheater and a liar. Yeah. Um, Nikki Finn is not that endearing of a character. Yes. And this is besides the, the fact that the characterization of her is absolutely yes. grating. She's yes. a liar. She's a thief. She's manipulative. Yeah, she's she's all of those things. And um and she's and she's super fucking reckless. Like what he calls a force of nature is like, no, she's a dangerous, she's a danger to society. One yeah, does not shoot a gun off into the air in the middle of the city and just be like, I'm fucking cute. Nikki Finn will not be ignored. Nobody shushes me. I will know vengeance. Bunk, 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 bunk into the air. Okay, you're a psychopath. 100% on your side. 100% on your side. However, had Madonna just been Madonna and not had this, you know, infantile sex kitten, Betty Boop and and Betty Boop and Baby Huey together in one, in one character, happened. I think it would have been endearing. You know what I mean? Like, like you can, if she was like street smart and cool madonna is a force of nature so why do we yeah. have to create a character like yeah. just do and and like it's not an issue of like you're not a good actress like you know you can argue that harrison ford is pretty much harrison ford in every movie he's still a f- fantastic actor you know what i mean that's the whole thing it just you know you just bring yourself to the role like there, lots of actors do this and if madonna did that in this film i wouldn't have minded if she was a thief. not at all it was the, fa- and I, I know how that sounds, but when it's like this, like, I'm kind of ditzy and I got butterfingers, it's like, oh, no, I don't like you. I don't know why anybody would fall for it. In Harlem, after, like, the cops raid, the, the you know, he, she goes to buy a gun and, and the cops raid it and, and they're everywhere and, and that's happening and they're kind of, like, hiding out somewhere. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to him and then she accidentally touches his hand and then she's like, yeah. oh, you've got really nice hands and, uh, and, and, oh, you've got a really nice arm. And then she's like, starts massaging him. And it's just so awkward. It's so and then, and then he says, he, he like is enjoying the massage. So then, then when she says, will you help me with, um, you know, clearing my name? And he, he just like, Oh yeah, yeah, I will because he's getting a massage, and she's like, <laughs> and it's like, what? Yeah, like every single one of her <laughs> moments made me throw a fucking shoe at the television when they are doing the like fight scene around the limo, and she dive bombs in there, and um, and she goes, ha, my gun, and then when she socks the prison guard, and she's like, be nice, like all of those little yes. weird moments were like turned my stomach over they were so there's uh, the worst one is when she's trying to um walk away from Loudon and he's like okay no no I have to get you to the I have to get you to the train station and she's like will you let me drive and he says no and then she finally he he concedes yes you can drive but no tricks and she's like no tricks I promise like you know with her fingers crossing her heart and then she gets into the car and she's like hey Loudon guess what and he goes what and she goes tricks <laughs> oh, God. you know what that should be Awful. your alarm when you really need to get up 
because oh that would get anybody to run across the room and shut it the fuck off. And I still loved this movie. Again, going back to Wendy Worthington, just character-wise, I think she's really funny. You know, her, what's her name? Her name's Havilyn Morris. Yeah, her name's crazy. And I know, crazy. Which is probably, maybe she head. comes from that. Maybe that's why she's always that snooty girl because no, who that Haviland? nose voice that she does louder. Daddy. Daddy, I, you know, but but I think she's pitch perfect. And like, like I love the part where she's being kidnapped and they, they're doing the co-op apartment and she's literally got a knife to her neck. And she's like, did you tell them I went to Vassar? And yeah. then she gets set free and she's hopping in and she's just like, did we get the apartment? Like, that's all that matters yeah. to her. I think she does really well with the role. It may not be written with like feminist goggles on, it's still hilarious. Which is weird because it's a Madonna movie. That it is slut shamey of Wendy Worthington, that it infantilizes women, that it shows this other clutch of women as these like mindless simps is fucking weird that Madonna is attached to it. You know, Madonna in 1987 was attached to it. I don't think- Madonna it. in 1985, Desperately Seeking Susan was much more feminist a badass than this. Like Absolutely. it's, but you know, it's, you know, weird shit happens, weird shit happens. You know, uh, another weird thing that happens is when, when Wendy Worthington comes in and Madonna sacrifices herself to make the exchange. And then we get another gato sex mocking a moment. She's, you know, I can't whistle, so I'm not going to pretend, but she, you know, she's trained Murray somehow in her off time to uh to show up at the call of her whistle um and he comes down and knocks the fucking knife out of out of the pimp's hand which is pretty cute because it's a cat and it's like don't touch my lady and then they she takes off her shoes and they go running down the street and like this is just so an outtake from a madonna music video where she's like smiling and like ha ha and like goes running off barefoot i'm like oh this is just and it would have been great if it was madonna and not this characterization of nikki finn you know, this crazy. Yes. Well, in that moment, actually, it was Madonna. Yeah. In that moment, that wasn't Nikki Fenn. That was Madonna. And that's where I was like, God, this is just a Madonna vehicle. And I know that's what it was. I know that's what I was signing up for. I just didn't know it was going to be that bad. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, wait. We got to talk about these cops. I, you know what the thing is? I love the cops until the last moment. Oh God, that last moment though. The last moment, the last moment leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But up until that part, like I love the dynamic between them. I love the part when he's- She talks about the salad? The salad? Oh yeah. The salad cracks me up. And it's like, it's got a little bit of a Dijon vinaigrette and- you know, that of Radicchio. Oh, that's hilarious. Parmesan, I got that for you. And like, I love- You know what though? It's funny until you realize that they're they're leading up to these all being gay stereotype jokes. Yeah, yeah. That's upsetting to me. But but I like the straight guy too. I mean, I don't mean it, the straight guy. No, I know what you mean. mean The the straight man to the funny man version of the two cops. Yeah. Like I I love how he's- um, (laughs) when they're in the fucking car and and the guy can't get the gears to work because he chose to take the sports car instead of taking just the normal um vehicle and he's eating the snow cone yeah (laughs) there see that's the thing i think that the things that bother you are actually the things that i really find endearing like the random like why questions like why is that there like that's the stuff i actually like about this movie like why is he 
eating a snow cone. Because like, cocaine. Because of cocaine. And again, Give him a snow cone. <laughs> that's, that's, but that last moment where they look at each other and realize that they actually are, you know, in love and they start kissing. And then the fat man screams on top of the car. I'm just like, fuck this. Well, take it back. Fuck a this. Note. Take it back a note. They don't actually start kissing. The camera pans away before yeah. they actually have Yeah, we can yeah. only suggest it. We can only suggest it and then make a joke out of it. Yeah. You know, uh, no, nope. Super yeah. fail. Super, Super fucking fail. And, and I guess that's right. See, I I love the cops throughout the whole thing as just be bumbling. Like, I love it when they get their guns, like, thrown off and they end up in, in the, the cake. I think that's what I think is hilarious is that when they come back again, they've got the guns, but they're covered in covered cake. cake. Like that, that makes me, I know it's low humor. I get it. But I still think that's funny. And like throughout the whole thing, I think that they've got kind of funny bumbling cop thing going on. And I find it very endearing, but you're absolutely right. The last moment. And is cringy as it gets. I will borrow from a, for a moment from from dear friend George and the way that they run stuff over on We're Seen. Um, my best scene from this debacle was when they go to Harlem and they meet the gun dealer. He is a fucking great character. He's a Looney Tune and he is great. Between him and Griffin Dunn and then this is the one moment where she kind of pulls back on the baby talk shit. Yes. That's a great scene where he's shooting up the fucking place and acting like a Looney Tune and then he's trying to phone in his credit card number to buy a fucking gun is hilarious. We've repeated it numerous times so I can't say it again, but I just wish it had would've... she just been Madonna. Yeah. And and I don't mean had she just been Madonna like like girl don't try it's more of like girl don't try too hard. You had all the goods to play this kind of role. She's fucking she's Madonna. Not, yeah, she's fucking Madonna. Um, had she done that, then the movie there there could have been some style to this film. Yeah, seriously, let, let me let me not let this get twisted. Please no one think that I have like a beef with I love Madonna. I have nothing but mad respect for Madge. In fact, she did an Instagram live recently where I posted a comment and she read it out loud and I wrote on that high for about three fucking days. Okay. For reals, for reals. I got I got mad love for Madonna. But um who child. You know child. Speaking of George though, I think George would have been very happy that in the scene, actually the scene with Raul and um and Benny, as well as the scene with Madonna, after they get wet, they are they wet. They stay wet. Yes, yes, I was thinking about that. I thought about that too. When her hair, <laughs> she's, it's no longer all fluffy and she's got the little hat on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, she stayed wet for at least a whole, whole scene afterwards. She didn't dry up until, you know, a little later. But I do think about like how much this dude overscheduled himself management dude time management where is your sense of time management absolutely i mean i don't think the movie was too long of get i mean i thought it was really like pop 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 but how did he think it was possible that he was going to make it to lunch like he had a lot to do that day you know he has to pick up the ring he has to pick up his tugs he has to pick up this cat he has to drive this chick he has to go, he has to go get an apartment. Them. He has to go get an apartment. Like they stuck a lot into his date. Like, I don't, what time did the first scene take 
place? Was it, you know, yeah, what did, what is, where do office office hours start at that fucking company? 5 a.m. They're, they're there doing shit, making calls. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. In his day. And, and again, it's the suspension of belief for this kind of film. And, and for me, I think I went for it. For you, it was, I had none. I had none. I had none to give, none to give whatsoever. And, and like, I really went over the edge when she shows up at eccentric, rich rooftop zoo man's house and he's given her a Marilyn Monroe dress out of nowhere. Like, like, which is not this that is our good moment. Of it's not, not that good, good of a dress, but this is our moment where we get to see that, you know, she cleans up good and then he falls for her in that moment, or rather he fell for her in the moment when she sacrificed herself yes, for yes. Wendy. Because remember, one of the greatest things in this film is the montage when he is walking oh, God. through and they play that fantastic song that I, what is it? The look of love. Look of love. They're playing the look of love right. as he's walking right. around and there's like this super waspy couple having an argument. And then he's like, I don't want that for my future. I want a fucking ex con who's really good with animals. But why, why is like, why did this cut get in there? Like, so he's, he's walking and then there's a jogger and she jogs right into him and knocks yeah. into him for some reason. I think it's, I think it's to show us like how lost in thought he is. <laughs> I did. I'm not going to lie though. I thought it was cute. The little shadow of the cat that like he thought, look, he's like, maybe it's Murray. And then it's just like a tiny little scruffy alley cat. And this was the moment where I was like, Ooh, I was okay with cute. that moment. He's cute. And I have to say that Madonna song is the shit. I love that song. I always have. Always I mean, will, Sasha. Always will. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at that. I just didn't, I was not expecting this to be just. I actually, because let's talk about when they go to Montgomery Bell's house and, and, and then he is, um, has this huge house and she shows up and he's like a conservationist. But can I tell you, all I could think of is that was the beginning of 12 Monkeys because he's oh. been collecting animals Word. from all over the Word. world to oh, populate no. them yeah. in the middle of the city. And I was just like, there's there's a whole nother movie that's just going to break off from this. Yeah, he was like a blend of, of fucking 12 Monkeys and Get Out because I was like, he lost his, his house man, Emery or whatever. I don't know, he's somewhere here. I'm like, oh, Emery. <laughs> Scared for you, Emery. Yeah, I don't know, because he's like, I mean, he's got this pervy jungle lady that he's keeping like a pet in his zoo. Like, that is not okay. He's 17 and a half years old. He's 9,642. Yeah, yes, it's super creepy. And he keeps her in the bushes. It's fucking, I've got to go. Like, like, and because she's, because she's thirsty for it. And then why is it that they use this angle where it's like, because the cats are fucking, now we need to fuck? Like watching animals get it on is is hot? I don't know. Well, and, and, and it's, it, it, I mean, to be fair, um, that's Sir John Mills, right? That's like Haley Mills' dad. Okay. Or some shit like that. It's, 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 it's another, he's, he's an old famous actor. Um, I think I'm right about this though. We will, we will learn soon enough because we're not gonna look it up now. But anyway, um, I actually think he's very funny and charming. And I love when he's like randomly list talking about love and no two loves are alike. And he's like, I like women who laugh. I like women who don't laugh. I like uh-huh. Halloween, wonton soup. <laughs> like he just goes, Is that, and then does he fall asleep? He's a narcoleptic? Things. And he's also a narcoleptic. He just they're, like nods off for like a second. They're just trying to make the joke that he's old. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think, see the, to me, I thought it was funny, like the whole thing, until 
his like little like pebbles shows up um with crimp tear did you notice she had like yeah hair and of course and jungle baby shows up yeah um but to be fair until that time i thought he was very funny like it made me laugh I, I loved the scene but it is the switch in the movie i will say that after that part i kind of hate the rest of the movie I oh my do. God. Yeah. I kind the thing do. with the cops sitting around on their bikes talking about like, well, like, how are we supposed to meet girls? And then they see the bridesmaids going yeah. by in the limo yeah. and they like, Not funny. oh God yeah. damn. And, and no, there's one joke at the end that I think is funny, but, but mind you again, what I hate after is, is it's just not a big aha moment when fucking she finds out that you know, Mr. Worthington was behind it all. Um, Loudon has gone from being really, really interesting and funny and uptight to being just like dumbfounded by her, whatever. Yeah. And it's just yeah. all of, he no longer has a funny line. Like his yeah. funniness ends at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then just the way it all unravels is just, it sucks. I'm going to give you that. But the one funny line would be, when um Wendy is picked up by Buck and she says, Buck, you'll take care of me. And he's like, Yes, I will. I'm very muscular. <laughs> yes. Buck is Buck is even though he's just Buck. like beefy, he's he's solid. He's solid. A funny character yeah. throughout the whole thing. Like yeah. after that point, it is pretty much a shit film. I think, yeah, you just you just you had a longer tolerance for that than me. I, I made it about five minutes and you made it fifty-five, you know. You know, Sorry. I I did. There's just a lot of shit that I thought was hilarious. I love it when um, what is it? They when when they're at the shower, right? And she's giving Buck a massage, and then Loudon comes in, and he's you know calling somebody on the phone because the car's been stolen again. And she's like, Loudon, are you listening to me? And he's like, No, 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 dear, I'm not. I'm not listening. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. For me, I think there are these really bright spots throughout and just the genre I really liked. And I thought it was fun in spite of her, with her. She, unfortunately, she doesn't have a good moment, mm -hmm. I don't think, in the whole thing, which is really sad because I love Madonna so much. And it's no, her, her best moment is when she takes her shoes off and becomes Madonna and runs right. away with the cat. Yeah, like, that's... Right. That's her that. best moment. Oh, okay. Well, can I actually tell you my absolute favorite moment of the film, though? Yes. My absolute favorite moment of the film is when Loudon wakes up at the hospital and he's like, I've got to find her. I've got to go to Harlem. And he goes to leave the hospital room and he's pulling at the door and he can't open it. So he crawls up onto the door. Onto it. And, yeah. And the nurse is like, you just have to push it and he's like clinging to it yeah i mean that's i think that was a good it. bit of physical comedy on his yeah. part that was good yeah that's what i think i it's those moments like that i think this movie is peppered with those and they were enough to sustain me until they bone until the wedding basically fair enough there it Fair is. enough. And, you know, I think you just came into this with a lot more love for it than I had. So because remember, like to me, like this, it's just such a such a poor reflection of the art of storytelling that it uh, it's it's instantly forgettable. And then like when we started talking about the movie, I was like, I feel like I've seen it. Is there a cat in it? Is there animals? Right. <laughs> like that's all I could remember because 
gatos ex machina, nothing fucking happens without the cats. Screwball silliness, absolutely. There's big cats, there's Madonna, Griffith Dunn's kind of cute, and there's a couple of Oh, fuck you. Just call me Griffith. <laughs> Griffith is a cool name too. I, I did go into this thinking that I would like it until you told me that I wasn't going to like it. So I was waiting for the ball to drop. I was like, oh shit, there's going to be something that I don't like or don't like, don't like. And ultimately it didn't happen. I was like, I still like this shit. I still like it. And it's like some of the moments that you've pointed out, they didn't bother me. It was like, no, doesn't bother me whatsoever. In fact, I like that. So this is, you know, I don't mind the fishes in the mouth. Ugh, the fishes <laughs> in the mouth. And I don't mind that the fucking big cat comes in all the time saving the day. I love Murray. I like me some Murray. It, I think it's just sad because I think Madonna has had such an amazing career and, you know, no one can fault her and you can hardly say anything bad about her because it's like, who the fuck are you? I'm Madonna, right? Pretty much. But Pretty much. at the same accord, and, and maybe this is one of the reasons I actually like her because she is so human. She has made mistakes. She has done things that, you know, weren't perfect and she just is who she is. And I kind of love it about her like this film the few things that I read about it which you know we don't do a lot of research but the few things that I read she said she was trying so hard she was trying to be different she was trying to own her image you know um and uh god it just it just didn't work and it's just kind didn't. of yeah. it's, it's kind of sad you know and and the, hor the but honestly, horrible but thing truth, is if she would have just been Madonna, it probably would have worked if she would have just let go yeah. of thinking that the world, she had to prove anything to anyone, then this movie could have been fantastic, despite the fact that they, you know, the script wasn't, you know, the greatest. <laughs> so generous, Amy. You're I'm so, generous so because generous. I liked it. I know. You're going to have a real hard time on this flight. <laughs> oh, God. So what, so what are our options on the flight this time around? Okay, um, on a transatlantic flight, Sasha, it's who's that girl, look who's talking, or anything with Liam Neeson. Anything with Liam Neeson twice. <gasps> this is your first time choosing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, just back talking. to back. Back to back, exactly. Liam Neeson. I would learn all those special skills. There's no fucking chance that I would watch Who's That Girl again or Look Who's Talking. Hell no. I would watch Who's That Girl. No, Look Who's Talking is actually... God, I've hated that movie for years. I don't even know how it got made. So thank you all so much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. If you liked what you heard, please pop on over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. You'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you've got the time, DM us with any comments, questions, or complaints. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, you got any mascara? You can keep it because I don't want pink eye. <laughs> and so true so fucking gross so keep gross. your fucking pink eye ass <laughs> wand of mascaras nasty oh my days uh. <laughs> <laughs>